podcast is the place to eavesdrop and participate in conversations about making choices about how you want to spend your time, who you surround yourself with, and figuring out what you want to be known for. This is a place to talk about the challenges of bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically, and finding your way to be known for something. Your hosts are ambitious, thoughtful women who both want to be known for something and decided to stop waiting for things to be just so. As clients zero and one of the AW brand, we openly share our thoughts and experiences as we discuss the lives we want to live, the impact we want to have on the world, and what we want to be known for. In this episode, we talk about ideas and feelings that seem like opposites, but can coexist quite nicely. We give a ton of examples of what this looks like, and we tie this idea to boundaries and knowing what is important to you. Finally, we reassure you and ourselves that we can exist within extremes and change our minds. And in WWAWD, or What Would Amanda Wagner Do?, we answer Tina's question about red flags around collaboration. Have you ever felt that because you are a certain type of person or have a certain reputation or value, you have to exist like that all the time? For example, if you consider yourself an extrovert, it seems to be expected, perhaps by you or by others, that you're extroverted all the time and only want to be around people and bursting at the seams with energy. This type of thinking and acting can make changing your mind feel really hard. And if you're like me, even provoke guilt or defensiveness when you want to do something different. Today, we're touching on some examples and aha moments that we've had to help us and hopefully you feel more at ease about changing your mind, paying attention to what you want and how you feel and doing what is right for you So we feel less like we're doing something wrong when we change our mind or the way we feel. We're gonna get into some examples about how Liz or LP and I have experienced this in our own lives and how it connects to the way we set boundaries. I use the example of being extroverted because it's a really personal one for me. I like to be around people. I like to be the center of attention. I love to use humor to engage with people and go out and have fun. I also like to be at home in bed by 10 p.m. Word. (laughs) Couch by nine by Liz. Uh, My partner Robin is a night owl and he also loves to go out. So oftentimes when we go out, he is more keen to want to stay out late. I have learned to emphasize that yes, I am an extrovert. Yes, I like to go out. And I still like to go home early so I can have fun and still want to leave in time for my 10 p.m. bedtime. Another example that I've thought of is around gratitude. So everyone and their dog has a gratitude journal right now. (laughs) And being grateful sometimes implies that you should be thankful for what you have and aware of your opportunities and privilege. I agree with all of that. I am grateful that I have the opportunity to run my own business. I'm grateful for my clients and friends. And I still want more. I want more opportunities, I want more clients, and I want more great people in my life. So wanting more doesn't have to be in opposition of being grateful for what you have. You can be grateful and want more. I have two more examples that I wanna share and then I wanna hear from Liz about how this impacts her life. So one of the, the things that comes up often in my life is that I can love going for dinner and still say no to an invitation. Loving one thing doesn't mean I have to do it all the time. And I am positive that I'm not the only one who feels this way. 
Sometimes I feel bound by rules that I have made for myself. I figure that if I am one type of person, I have to forever act the way that that type of person would act. I quickly forget that I'm a dynamic human and that I'm allowed to change my mind. I can be an extrovert and want to go home. I can be having a great time and want to leave a party. I can be grateful and be ambitious for more. So LP, can you think of any examples of how this exists in your life? Absolutely. And I think it's a really great point that you can be more than one thing. We're so quick to put labels on things. Mm -hmm. You are this. The Mm -hmm. end. That's not how it needs to be. A couple of things that come up for me. uh, I can move to a new city and miss my old city. So recently I moved to a new province, to a new community. I'm in a brand new world, but I still miss where I came from. My friends are in that older city. Like I had a wonderful job. I loved my life there. I'm allowed to enjoy where I am now and still crave that old feeling. It's to- it's allowed. And I've struggled with that a little bit, but I'm totally allowed to feel both things. I can love my hometown and still be happy that I left it. I think a lot of people, they feel this. Mm-hmm. Your hometown is part of what formed you. You you grew up there. It's part of who you are at a core. But you can leave it, start a new chapter of your life, still love that hometown, but be happy that you're somewhere else. Do you feel like The challenge comes in because of thoughts that other people put on you, like, oh, you left the small town, therefore you don't love it anymore, or you think you're better than where you grew up. Do you think those assumptions come from other people putting them on you, or are they our own thoughts and feelings? I I think that there's a little bit of both. So I think it's it's quite often in a small town that a lot of people stay. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of just how rural communities work. Uh, a lot of people stay back and they raise their families and that's wonderful and that's what makes a close-knit community. Uh, But there is a little bit of that feeling that for those people who have gone on to other chapters of their lives and have started careers and, you know, their kids don't go to the same high school that they went to, that there's a little bit of they feel like the person who left has a better than sort of attitude. Mm -hmm. And so I I feel like that is put upon that person, but that person might kind of create that in their own space as well. And I've I've felt that. How does this relate to your work life? I can love my job and still quit my job. And I did this recently. I was working full-time. I loved my job. I loved the people I worked with. I loved the industry I was in. The work was great. I made great money. I loved it all, but I still wanted to change. And that's a difficult thing. That's a weird internal struggle to mm-hmm. have. The day I quit my job, I cried to yep. my boss. Ugh. Because I've been thinking about it for so long. And I admire him greatly. I respect him. He was a wonderful leader. And that is rare to come by. <laughs> Absolutely. So when I had finally made that decision, it was a, it was hard to spit it out because I didn't want him to think I didn't love the work. Because mm-hmm. that's often the label that's put on people. They quit their job because they don't like it anymore. Yeah. And I, I didn't want anyone to feel that way. So yes, I can love a job and 
quit a job. Those two things can definitely coexist. Those are the kind of the big things that come up for me. When I think about a job, I didn't quit teaching. I didn't quit my job. It was the circumstances in our province. Another teacher was coming into the position, somebody with more seniority. I had the opportunity with a continuing contract for them to find another position for me. But I made the choice to go back to school. And I faced a a similar reaction from other people. When I told people I was moving on from teaching to going back to school, there was an assumption of like, oh, you didn't like teaching? Yeah. I was also 23 years old at the time, 24. And I got the like, oh, you couldn't hack it? Mm -hmm. In reality, I loved my job. I am fiercely defensive of the teaching profession and I would do it again and in a lot of ways I do still teach in just a different capacity so this idea that I can love the profession and still do something else Mm -hmm. I find that when we pick an extreme side it's really hard to maintain the energy that it takes to stay on one side I can love my job and still be tired at the end of the day oh yeah Yeah, that's a great one. It doesn't have to take away from loving my job. Even though these things seem like they are opposing, being tired seems to imply that it sucked your energy. But the reality is that those things can happen together. And I want to be a voice of reason and of permission that says you're allowed to feel this way. There are days where you don't love your job as much. Yes. Like... You and I both kind of, we work for ourselves, we work with different clients, and we both love what we do, but there are days where it's like, ugh. I can love my job even when I'm having a hard day. Exactly. You don't have to just be in one category. You can jump from category to category over the course of a single day, a single hour, honestly. You Mm -hmm. can change your mind. Yeah. And I think this is easier in human relationships I can be mad at Robin and still love him dearly in so many ways I I find that it's when it gets to the type of person that I want to be or the type of professional I want to be the job I want to have that's where it gets harder and I don't know if it's that we solicit feedback from other people about our decisions or if we assume people are judging what we're doing but there's something that just has been really hard for me in trying to struggle with. This is one of the toughest podcasts for me to record, but also just writing about it. I'm like, how do I eloquently say I can have opposite ideas that coexist together? Long story long, for so many of these examples, I connect this to thinking about boundaries. So even though you can't see me, I keep spreading my hands out in front of me thinking about this versus this or one end of the spectrum to the other. My brain goes to black and white when in reality there has to be some gray and some fuzzy area. When I work with my therapist, I always tell her I pay for the gray because it's not instinctual for me to think about that middle ground. Mm -hmm, That's great. In trying to come up with some examples for the podcast, I had to look at some extremes that stopped working for me. I gave a talk last month and was quite outspoken about the type of entrepreneur I want to be. And there are many memes, posts that entrepreneurs are the type of people who will work 80 hours a week for themselves instead of 40 hours a week for someone else. I decided that 
I don't want to be that person. I am not that person. That said, I have recently learned that putting in a few hours on Sunday afternoon not only helped me get through the week, but it meant that on Friday afternoons, I could rest and recuperate. So even though I don't want to be the type of person that works 80 hours a week, I don't want to be the type of person that's always ruminating all the time on what I'm doing, I could step away from one side of this that is a blanket statement of, I don't work on the weekend. In fact, I work when it works for me. And some weeks, maybe that is 50 hours, but some weeks it's probably 30. And so having that variation has been really helpful. When it comes to working with clients, my other business is all about helping other businesses create consistent and consistently excellent customer experiences. That means I want to provide an excellent customer experience to the people that I work with. So one of those extremes is to say, I will do whatever I can to meet with my clients on their schedule. That said, if I turn this into opposing ideas that can coexist, I will do whatever I can to meet with my clients on their schedule and I don't take meetings on Mondays. Those things can exist together. Liz, what are your thoughts on on the idea of working with clients and figuring out those boundaries? It's something that I've been working really hard at and it's a tricky thing to kind of figure out what's going to work best for you while not disappointing anyone whether that's true disappointment or what is in your head right because that's that's a that's a whole different podcast (laughs) my biggest fear in life is disappointing people yeah and so that comes into the equation in your mind when you're setting your boundaries absolutely right and that shouldn't matter as much but this is how our brains operate this is you and me at least oh exactly (laughs) and i i'm confident that we are not the only people i'm sure so much of the the extreme behavior too the i am an extrovert i like to have fun i like to go out for dinner i have this mindset sometimes that because i like to go out for dinner if i say no this person's going to be mad at me oh yeah or they're going to be disappointed or they're going to take it personally and then it makes me question my own boundaries. It makes me go back on things that I've said are important to me. So for example, I am a human being. I say I don't take meetings on Mondays, but I am still afraid of disappointing people. So sometimes I change that. I make accommodations, which is fine. However, sometimes I over-accommodate. So this idea of disappointing people rests so heavily on me. I'm I'm not joking when I say my biggest fear is disappointing someone or getting in trouble. So I, and you know this, I have a daily calendar that's thoughts of dog. Yes. My partner Mike got it, me, got it for me for Christmas. And I took a picture of one of the days recently because, and I meant to send it to you, mm. and I don't think I did. Mm. And so this calendar is the thoughts of the dog every day. And the other day he said... On our walk today, I tried to say hello to a person passing by, but they backed away and continued on, without so much as a smile. The human later explained that not everyone is going to like me, and I need to be okay with that. But here's the thing. I'm not okay with that. Oh! I meant to send that to you. That thought of dog is thought of Amanda. Well, and that's, I'm so glad that I thought to look that up on my phone, because it's, 
It's so right. And that definitely plays into the decisions that we make and the boundaries that we set for ourselves and the flexibility that we end up giving ourselves is because we are thinking of what other people expect of us and the label that they've put on us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I find interesting is that there are so many people, especially thought leaders, right? The Tony Robbins of the world, the Mel Robbins of the world, all the Robbins of the world. <laughs> Mindset is incredibly important, but it's not the only thing. If it were as simple as just ignore the voice in your head, we'd be golden. Mm -hmm. Don't care what other people think of you. That sounds really nice. How's it working for you? Yeah. So there, there is a mindset shift, yes, but there's also a practical element of how are you exercising that? A lot of the work that I do with my coach and my therapist is around what happens when I make a mistake? inevitably I will. What happens when someone's mad at me? What happens when I get a hater? There is going to be somebody, I'm sure more than one person, who hears the podcast or sees my Instagram and says, this is garbage. So how am I going to pick myself up off the floor? And part of that is, yes, I can pretend it doesn't affect me. Or instead, the choice I'm making is that I can talk about how it affects me and I can fiercely believe that there is somebody else in the world who needs to hear that. Mm-hmm. The big idea here is that we are giving you explicit permission to give yourself some flexibility. Just because you might identify as being one thing, one way, or a certain type of person, it doesn't mean that you have to be like this for every area of your life and at every time in your life. You are allowed to change your mind. You are allowed to make the crisp edges of your boundaries a little more fuzzy when it works for you. And I really encourage you to find your way of paying for the gray. Good news, this podcast is available for free. (laughs) So hopefully we can provide some of that comfort in the gray area. What I really want is I want to hear from you about the opposing ideas that coexist in your life or in your mind. Alternatively, what is an extreme that isn't working for you anymore? And how can we adjust it? to bring some fluffy boundaries to the edge of it and give you that permission to change your mind. You can, of course, find us on Instagram at the Amanda Wagner, and we will explicitly ask what opposing ideas coexist for you because none of us are alone in feeling this way. Speaking of boundaries, I think this is a great way into our WWAWD question or what would Amanda Wagner do? Today's question comes from Tina who asks, How do I respond to someone who asks to collaborate with me, but when you ask how they want to work together, they just say, working together on a collaboration, and it starts to feel like they want you to do all the work. What would Amanda Wagner do? Amanda Wagner is assuming that this question comes from Tina Fey. (laughs) I hope it is. Yeah. Tina Fey, thank you for your question. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please. That would be really... Powerful. My answer here is to get as specific as you can. When we talk about this, this ties in beautifully to the opposing thoughts. You can collaborate with someone and set guidelines on what you're willing to do. I am an advocate with any collaboration or any type of project of starting at the end and setting really clear goals. So some questions for you to answer. What are you trying to achieve by working together? How is the collaboration a win-win for both people involved and for the person you're serving? And finally, how is working together better? 
Are there certain objectives that you can achieve by having more than one person working on it? Or are you just doing it to lighten the workload and there's no real benefit? These are challenging questions, but I think they're essential whenever you're going to go into a partnership with somebody else. I would also recommend this for people who are considering going into business together. Why are you better together and what are you willing to do in order to make it work? I want to wrap up by also reminding you, you are allowed to say, no, thank you. This collaboration isn't going to work for me right now or ever. Some other language you can use is, I don't have the bandwidth to commit to this and do it well. Mm. When you know what you want to achieve and if you're going to put your name on something, you have to make sure it's work that you're proud of. So I think paying attention to some of those red flags that come up, for instance, you said, oh, I just want to work together, and you start to get the feeling that they just want to attach the name to the work that you're doing, pay attention to that red flag and find a way to make it win-win or don't do it. That feels a little bit like if you think back to college or to high school when you had a group project. And there was oh. always, I'm assuming you and I were the people who did all of the work. In all the group. time. <laughs> yeah. That feels a little bit like that. You know, like that person just adds their name to the group project. And if, you know, it's not, it's not a worthwhile endeavor for the person doing all the work. It only breeds resentment, mm-hmm. yeah. especially to that person who it's been 15 years since I've been out of high school still vividly remember this moment and her name where I was stressed about said group project and she told me to take a yoga breath (gasps) yeah oh no sr you know who you are (laughs) (laughs) I don't hold grudges right oh my goodness uh thank you for your question Tina hopefully that provides you with some questions to work through moving forward so you can pick some collaborations that work well for you. And please ask your friends Amy Poehler and Maya Rudolph to send their questions in. We will happily answer them. We are very big fans of the movie Wine Country. Oh, yes. (laughs) And SNL fans. Yes, absolutely. We can do a whole episode on that. Yeah. So we want your questions for WWAWD. Please send them our way. You can send them to us on social media at the Amanda Wagner on Instagram. Uh, send us an email through the website www.theamandawagner.com. You can always send us a DM through Instagram as well. If you have questions for Liz, who is indeed a digital communication specialist, you are more than welcome to send in a question for WWLPD, and we'll put Liz <laughs> in the hot seat to answer some of those. Big idea here today. This is a difficult topic for us to put into words. So I hope that through our examples, we were able to provide some context for the feelings that we have and to help you come into our community and go, yes, I feel this too. I know what this is like. So please help us keep unpacking this topic and share with us some of your thoughts or behaviors that seem like contradictions, but that are actually just fuzzy lines of boundaries, because that is A-OK in our books. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. And because we live by Don't Ask, Don't Get, we're asking you to follow along with us on social media at The Amanda Wagner. Sign up for the newsletter sent once a month at theamandawagner.com and share this episode with a friend. And of course, if you love the podcast, please leave us a review. We will be back in two weeks' time with a brand new episode. In the meantime, see you on the internet.